1: Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. I'm Ralph Velasco, and I'm coming to you from Chicago. I'm glad to be here with my co-host, Ugo Che, who is coming to us from Milan. It's been a while since we've been able to do an interview together, so this is great. How you doing there, Ugo?
0: Doing good. I'm uh, at home for a while, just returned from a short trip to Frankfurt, Germany, Uh, i'll be in barcelona next week well actually the week after the next actually when this episode airs i'll be in barcelona so maybe i'll wave uh hey from the rambla (laughs) Uh, are you there
1: for work or yeah
0: short trip i'll be teaching a course Uh, yeah and then we'll be together in chicago i guess right Um, that's
1: that's right yep Uh, we got the out of chicago conference coming up uh, june 22nd through the 24th Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later in the show Um, well today's guest is a good friend of mine scott herter whom along with his wife megan Indo, i've known for several years now Uh, we all got to know each other for the first time when the three of us were speaking at tbex the travel bloggers exchange and this was in jerusalem it was a while back Uh, that was a fun event and i keep running into scott and megan around the world i think the last time we saw each other was in new york city at the new york times travel show uh, Scott is originally from Huntington Beach, California, my old stomping grounds, and is an extremely talented photographer, videographer, and hyperlapseographer. I'm not sure if that's really a thing, <laughs> but let's simply call him a content creator. According to the About section on his website at hyperlapsephotography.com, which we'll put a link in the show notes, uh, Scott took an obscene amount of time to graduate college. Uh, he had a degree in broadcast journalism where his goal was to be a news anchor. He's had an in, He had an internship at NBC LA and then went on his first backpacking trip to see the world. Uh, As with most of us, he then caught the travel bug and realized he never wanted to live in one area for work, and so he became the very definition of a digital nomad. Uh, Traveling led him to want to learn photography, and learning editing in college led him into video. Then, as soon as he saw his first hyperlapse video, he was hooked. And now he's an authority on hyperlapse photography, and he even has an ebook out called The Ultimate Guide to Hyperlapse Photography, as well as a series of tutorials on his website. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Welcome to the show, Scott. How are you and where are you these days?
2: Hi, Ralph and Ugo. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor to be on the show. And uh, currently, I'm doing great. Um, we are in Merida, Mexico, in the Yucatan province. And we are. Basically, here until June 7th. So
1: the time is almost over. So, are you just in between uh, tr- uh, work gigs or travel and just trying to get some downtime, catch up a little bit?
2: Exactly. Basically, um, we were doing a project back in California and we finished it, kind of had a crazy story there. But um, now we just decided we needed to take a break. We were overworked, we needed a break. so. We came to Merida. It seemed like a great place. We had some friends that were living here. And that was where we were going to start planning out the rest of our year. And now it looks like we're going to be headed to New York, California, and then off to Europe for a bit. So it's just kind of a place to take a break in between a lot of work.
1: Let me ask real quick when you do these like month or two month breaks and you're in a place for a period of time, are you, are you renting an apartment? You do an Airbnb, staying with friends and family house sitting?
2: Um, so we've done house sitting and the, the most common things are either house sitting or uh, Airbnb apartment rental. So this one we actually got a steal of a deal. There was a, if you get, it was the first listing or it's the owners of this place. It was their first time on Airbnb. And so they had an insane 35% discount just for that. And then there was a 25% discount for the, if you do it at a month at a time. So we got two months at a 55% discount. And basically, we have a really sweet apartment with a pool for $360, $380. Oh my God,
1: that's fantastic.
0: I guess Mexico is not that expensive probably compared to other places to start with.
1: No, it's pretty awesome. Well, fill in some blanks for us, Scott. Uh, how and when did you become a full-time digital nomad and content creator?
2: Okay, so it's kind of a funny story. I left, like like you said, I left to go to South Korea to teach English, and just really wanted something to remember my trip from. Um, just that year, you know, at the time, that was the scariest decision to leave your family and friends, go to another country, and Yeah, so I just wanted a memory. And there was a photographer named John Steele who does these beautiful landscapes in South Korea, in Seoul, all all over South Korea, and he had this really cool image of Tower 63, which is like, it's a really prominent uh, landmark in in Seoul. And I thought, oh, that looks easy, I'll, I'll take a photo of that. And I had no idea how to take a photo outside of auto mode. And so I just, and it was like this beautiful building with the sun right behind it. so there was like a really cool ray of light from behind it. And I just thought, oh, that's so easy. And that's when I learned, oh, he put a lot of thought into it from composition, from time of day and all this. And so I was like, oh, shoot. And my first photo just absolutely sucked. And I was like, okay, well, I got four or five more months living in South Korea. I'll go and try this photo every day for a week. And then that's when I saw that one hyperlapse video by a gentleman named Rob Whitworth. Um, And I said, oh, also just kind of so naive. Oh, that looks really cool. You that shows my memory of my favorite part of living in Seoul. And so that's what I did and I decided next, uh, at the time I think there was 13 weeks, I'd go out and shoot every day. And that's how it uh, got started. And the big plan was I wanted just a fun video to remember my time in South Korea and I wanted to practice because I wanted to propose to my wife now Megan, uh, but she was a girlfriend at the time, I wanted to propose to her in a really cool video way that I would be like I'd be able to document all of our travels in a really cool video. And so that's that's how it came to be. It was just a passion project. And now I'm actually
0: good at it. So, can you explain to us exactly what is hyperlapse photography and uh, how is it different from time lapse? I've been, well, I haven't actually been doing. I tried my hand at doing time lapse a couple of times, but so I guess that. People are most familiar with time-lapse photography, where you have your your camera set in a place and you you take photos of moving objects, like all the stars in the sky and clouds. How is hyperlapse different from it?
2: So the main thing that differentiates a time-lapse and a hyperlapse is that the camera is actually moving. And we're talking, like, not just on a dolly or a slider, um, but we're talking about distances more than 10 feet and that's really the only difference between a time lapse and a hyperlapse is that we're moving the camera as well as the subject is moving.
1: Yeah, cuz I've I've looked at uh, quite a few of your uh, hyperlapses and it it's you use your wife Megan as your subject quite often and it seems to be you following doing a time lapse of her walking through uh, all these wonderful places. I mean, that's one theme that you have is is that kind of what it is?
2: Yeah. So that's definitely a part of my style. I like I said, one of the things when I wanted to propose uh, I made I wanted to show like kind of our journey, like me following her through these cool landscapes. And so that just kind of ended up being an element that I really like. Um, but yeah, so that would be that would be a part of the hyperlapse. And then anytime time where uh, like we just did a video and it takes you from Washington Square in New York all the way to the Empire State Building, which is, I don't know how many miles, but it's, it's quite a few. And we took a photo like every few steps. And so basically, a sequence like that would be a hyperlapse where the camera is just moving over long distances.
1: So you're actually taking a photograph every few seconds, uh, or do you set up the camera to do that automatically? Uh, you know what kind of gear is involved in doing these?
2: So there's there's all types of different gear that you can use. I actually just use um, just the camera, the lens, and then sometimes a tripod and sometimes an intervalometer. And what you could do, depending on a lot of cameras nowadays, have their own built-in intervalometer. So there's a couple schools of thought or things that you could do. You could either a set up an intervalometer. And just walk, and maybe pause, so that way the fire, the the photo takes, and you have like a nice, consistent background changing. Or what I'll typically do is I'll kind of just press the shutter myself. So I'm not necessarily, especially when I'm following Megan, um, I'm definitely not on an intervalometer. I'm just firing about every one or two seconds. It's kind of like an internal clock in my head. Um, I guess I probably could just put it on intervalometer, but the only thing is, the only thing that I don't like about that is uh, it's not as quick. I have a sony a seven R two, and getting to the app to do the time lapse, I can't just shut it off as instantaneously. And if I have an intervalometer hooked into it, I could, but then I'd have an extra cable, and I just I just don't like the extra bulk. So I just find when I'm following Megan, or for certain shots, I won't use an intervalometer.
0: And do you keep the uh, the camera to your eye, or use the the back LCD to frame?
2: Exactly, I will keep the um, the camera to my eye. And the biggest trick to all of this, the thing that is uh, the the biggest like secret or trick, whatever, to do in the hyperlapses is find a fixed su- or find a fixed point even if it's on a moving subject, so for Megan, for example, if it's the back of her head, I'm gonna try my best, I'm not gonna be perfect at all, but I'm gonna try my best to keep the one of my anchor points, or like one of the focal points, rather, on Megan's head. And then I'll just follow her, and I'm taking as close to an identical photo as I possibly can, and then that way, she's in the same spot, and you might notice now that I'm gonna bring your attention to it, you might notice on some of the videos or some of the sequences, you see the edges kind of move a little bit. It's because obviously I can't keep everything super, super perfectly smooth, but by shooting just on Megan, your eye is drawn to her instead of the other options. And so it's just about leading your eye to what you want it to focus on. And so if you have a person, I'll try to shoot like in the back of her head or in the small of her bag. And if it's a building that I want you to focus on, I will find a fixed point on the building and just make sure that's in the same spot or as close to the same spot as possible throughout the entire shot.
0: I guess it takes a lot of practice and trial and error to get it right.
2: It took, it took a lot of trial and error to get it right, but then once you've figured out the recipe, then you kind of know what to do. And so it really comes down to finding a point on a person or on an object, and making sure that's in the same spot throughout the entire shoot. And that's that's really the key ingredient.
1: I, yeah, I noticed that you must have been doing something like that, because when I was watching the video, Uh, mega was actually looking at the camera for this period and I noticed that her face was in the same spot but everything else around her was changing so I guess naturally your eyes drawn to that part of the frame that is relatively still which in this case is her face and kind of draws you in is that kind of what you're explaining there yeah yeah and uh, you also put up something on uh, Facebook uh, a week or so ago and it was her and I believe it was in Mexico walking in front of many different doors uh, in in Mexico and so was that the case where you're just keeping her head in the same spot on the in the frame and then just changing the background and getting a different shot and then stringing all those things together
2: pretty much exactly Um, This is really similar, and it's really cool because there is so much. This is done in um, a couple programs, but that are like a lot of people would be intimidated by. But there's this one thing. It's called the motion tracking tool in After Effects, and what this allows you to do, or how I use it, is it's really the only thing that I necessarily understand in After Effects. I'm, I'm not like there's really there's so much stuff that you can do with it. But if you can understand the motion tracking tool, which basically you say, I want X to be, I want this thing to be right here. So if it's Megan's head, I want it to be right there. I can put it right there every single time. If I want this building to be right there, as long as I'm close in, in um, production, in the shooting, I can fix it in post. And it, while it might not be ideal, it's really great because you were, um, you were having a chat with this on one of your podcasts about like, the balance of shooting and, and getting shots and uh, enjoying the, the experience while you're there. So sometimes what I like to do is if I'm right there in the moment, I'm not going to spend an hour trying to make sure Megan is exactly in this shot. I'll just kind of get it as close as possible and then fix it with this motion tracking tool in After
0: Effects. so Does that I'm make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I'm a bit of a geek, so I would like to do some maths. <laughs> uh, understand, in order to do a typical sequence like that, uh, what's the frequency of, uh, of shots? I mean, do you take a photo every second, or every few seconds, or a fraction of a second?
2: So it'll change based on the sequence that we're doing. And you start to kind of get a feel for how many photos you need. And it just takes time. Like if you're shooting a, a sequence of clouds, for example, and they're slow clouds, you could shoot like every 10 seconds or stars, every 15 or 30 seconds. It'll just depend. If it's a moving person, I typically do one to two seconds. That's what I find, but it's, it's a subjective thing and people could shoot more if they wanted a certain look. And people might have their own styles and aesthetics that they might want to achieve. And so, for what I like, I find it just varies from sequence to
0: sequence. So, if you like, say you take uh, a shot every two seconds, okay, and then you want to create a video which would have a frame rate, or let's say, 25 frames per second, you would need uh, basically uh, 25 seconds well sorry 50 seconds to uh, of shooting to fill one second of video
2: yes yeah well yeah to, to get so to, if I wanted two seconds of video I would need to shoot um 50, 50 shots yeah exactly
0: yeah okay
2: and so like we just did one for New York we, it's a, a fun little video that we did while we were house sitting there and uh, I wanted to do experience like do some ex- Experiments with some ideas that I had had, and that one was about twenty-two thousand still raw images.
1: Well, so, so you're taking individual twenty-two thousand individual shots and having to process them those into these sequences. Right. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> um, I'm I'm wondering. You know, can because you're saying it's it's essentially a time lapse where the camera is moving. Obviously, stability comes into play, so I want to talk about that. But also, can I get a, you know a similar effect with with my iPhone in the time lapse mode, following my subject or, or an, a subject?
2: Yes, uh, you absolutely can, and I'm constantly impressed with how much better uh, the iPhone and the Samsung Galaxy tab, I believe is what it's called, is getting. Like, I'm mind blown. Um, so the built-in time-lapse modes for those could, you could do a lot of what we do um, with that. And if you wanted to do like a tracking shot, the key is just on trying to keep it as stable as you can. And the phones, have a built-in uh, stabilizer. Like I think it's the gyroscope is the technical thing that keeps it all stable, and it's it's crazy good. And if you wanted to take it to the next level, you could get like a Osmo Mobile or any other gimbal just for like ultra smooth cinematic shots. And that that's a great tool without breaking the bank, without like trying to make everything perfect. Um, and I think they even come with a little tripod extension at the bottom. So, like, sometimes, you, sometimes what I like to do is follow Megan to, like, a reveal or to another scene and then just kind of let the camera be on a tripod for the next shot just so that way, like, you can pause for a moment. Um, and so you can still do that with your phone, too. And then your video is pretty much all edited. It's all done there for you. And so I'm constantly impressed with how much better, uh, how good smartphones are getting. When I very first began doing this, um, I wouldn't have had this same belief, but uh, we've actually shot entire videos using just an iPhone.
0: And also seeing, uh, I was watching, sorry, let me say it again. I was watching your, your website and there is uh, currently a video on the home page that was shot in uh, Český Krumlov. I hope I'm pronouncing the, that name correct, which is, I believe, a city in the Czech Republic. Right. Yes. And I see there are some of those scenes where you're walking behind Megan or walking along the street and so on. But there, al- there are also what look like aerial scenes. Are you using a drone for those shots?
2: Um, sometimes we have used a drone. Uh, it's not a requirement, but so one of the things that I really want to start learning is more about uh, bringing slow motion and video into it. And so when you do that, it's called flow motion. And so the whole one of the directions that I'm trying to incorporate into our video, and which we tried to do a lot with this uh, most recent video, is Incorporate more video. So we're still experimenting with it. Um, we're still testing out ideas But so yeah, some of those shots were done with a drone
1: What kind of drone are you using Scott we have a
2: phantom four?
1: Right talk to us a little bit about the post-production Necessary because I I'm not real technical when it comes to especially video editing uh, how proficient does someone need to be to, to get, uh, you know, reasonably uh, high quality video or hyperlapse?
2: Um, you know, I, for me, I'm completely self-taught on the subject. I definitely watched Linda videos on learning composition and trying to improve all of that. But I definitely believe that if I can do it, um, I definitely believe that if I can do it, uh, Anybody could learn it. It's not as intimidating as it sounds. Um, It's just about learning little recipes. And you don't need to know what all of the tools do. You just need to know what a couple of them do. And uh, that's what I think is really important. But so the workflow would look something like this. Get all of the images and bring them into Lightroom. Um, This is where you'll start. And... There's a program called LR Time Lapse. Uh, I believe it's short for Levels and Ramps Time Lapse. And they work, it's like a plugin that goes in for Lightroom. And they work together, or it's a standalone app, sorry. And what you do is you bring the sequence into Lightroom, LR Time Lapse, and it deflickers. It makes It removes any flickering, which is a really common thing that happens when you are shooting a time lapse. And it gets you the super perfect colors with Lightroom. So you just go and do your own Lightroom color editing, just like you would any photo. And for a sequence like maybe that has 500 shots, for example, you just edit the first photo and edit the last photo. And LR time-lapse blends them all together and makes your perfect edit. And so it sounds complicated because you have to get another program. But once you think about what you're doing you're going to edit a photo anyway, now you're just having another program do all the heavy lifting for you. So now once it's color corrected in Lightroom, you bring it into After Effects and you stabilize it. And once it's stable, then you just put it into um, Premiere or whatever your favorite editing software is. Uh, I use Premiere and then you just cut it up so that way it fits the timeline that you want or your idea. So. And what's also nice about shooting a, a hyperlapse is the, the video typically, or at least the way that we shoot it, is it's typically editing itself at the same time because you already kind of plan out your shots, or at least I try to plan out my shots so that way I know what's coming next. So the editing workflow isn't super crazy. The, longest, the part that takes the longest is most likely just stabilizing the shots.
1: So is there a lot of a pre-production and planning in advance of these shoots.
2: Ideally, yes. Um if you like it sounds crazy, but that's probably where we'll spend most of the time just kind of thinking through the shots because it's just going to save us a lot of time. Um I've gone ahead and done shots, but then what happens is um you kind of forget what you shot, you kind of forget the moments, you kind of forget what you were thinking. And this is this is just a huge time suck for me so what we started doing especially when we got clients was to come up with a storyboard and it's difficult it's it's difficult to come up with the storyboard for a place you've never been um and try to think about the transitions and the shots that you're going to need to get um especially without seeing it so the first day or two is literally just scouting Um, coming up with some ideas, taking a couple of test still shots, and then going home and trying to come up with how to get from point A to point B. And, uh, like, I again, the New York video that we just shot, that was just kind of a more random, sporadic, oh, I'm here, let's try this. So that one can't, like, it can still work where you don't plan it, but I spent way more time just trying to remember what shots I got where what i think would look good and it just took it took probably five times longer than if i would have found it out
0: you said you're shooting raw right so on, right. you said a typical sequence might be 500 images for 20 seconds of video i guess uh isn't it a, a lot of it's a lot of data to process right i mean uh, when i did my little attempts at doing time-lapses, I, I try to remember to, to set my camera to, to JPEG just because I didn't want to to spend hours at the computer just uh, just loading images into Lightroom, which, uh, I mean, at least when I was doing that, tended to be a, a bit slow. It, it's really necessary to shoot RAW? Or you can maybe, if you're starting, get by with JPEG?
2: So, if you're just starting, def- just shoot with whatever, whatever you have in. I would recommend, if you're just starting, yeah, just get out there and shoot. Um, eventually, if you have a, a nagging passion like I did, I just I obsessed about it. So I just wanted to make them better and better and better, and that's all I constantly think about. And so, what will typically happen is if you shoot in JPEG, as you guys both know, you just don't have as much flexibility in in post in Lightroom, um, and so you're going to have a higher chance of getting flicker. And you're just not gonna. Those are going to be the limitations. But file size uh, uh, is definitely, you know, you're sac. You're, in my opinion, you're sacrificing image quality for file size. And hard drives are pretty inexpensive, so I just load up on. Now that now that we have four terabyte hard drives, that are about like the size of a smartphone, so we just have a couple of those that we travel around with. And then when we're back at a base, we dump them um, onto like a server back at, back at home.
1: Tell us about the commercial work you're doing uh, shooting for clients. Are those mostly destinations or uh, who are some of your clients? If you don't mind telling us and you know, how does that work for you?
2: So shooting for clients is, is new ish. It's been like the last year, year and a half that we've been shooting for clients and we've had a couple, the the bigger ones that we've worked with have been check tourism and, um, so which that was a destination and then also worked with a real estate company, which was by far and above the biggest campaign we've ever done. The crazy thing, well, not the crazy thing. The, the thing about that was we weren't allowed to share anything. We had a, we had to sign a, um, non-disclosure agreement and we couldn't share the video and so it's just which was it sorry let me grab my train of thought yeah we couldn't share anything about it and being somebody who just loves talking about time-lapse and hyperlapse photography that was the biggest um crutch because I wanted to share these projects and these ideas and all this stuff that I was learning but I couldn't and the thing that I learned the most about uh doing shoots like that or for a client is the storyboarding the planning and when you have a client you have to send them a proposal of shots and it's a really complicated thing to explain and like how you're going to do a transition and come out of you know like they had a movie theater at one of their um, at one of their locations because there was a big mall in Southern California that we shot for And they had a movie theater and we were we asked for the movie theater to be vacant and we were going to superimpose the screen of the video. And we were going to like basically be flying around their whole their whole mall and trying to explain the transitions and get the logistics of at this time we need to be here shooting this shot and trying to get all the stores and all of the vendors and everybody to cooperate was one of like the biggest logistics hurdles I've ever had in my life. And a, we were there to shoot three projects. And one of them, um, we thought it would take us a month. And it ended up taking us almost 10 months. And we only finished two of the projects just because of the back and forth. And that was the biggest learning experience I had ever had. Uh, so now, Yeah, The the biggest learning experience is just when you're dealing with a client, and especially big corporations, the paperwork that goes into it and all of the legal process and all of the steps that you go before you even get to shoot. We actually, for those projects that took 10 months, we actually shot for a total of four days.
1: That's uh, amazing, the amount that uh, goes into before during and after these, uh, I had no idea what was involved. But it sounds like, uh, you know, you're obviously doing this professionally. You need the best product for your clients, uh, you know, as the expert, you need to to be doing these at the highest quality level. And, uh, but it still sounds like, uh, you know, neophytes like us can do these and and still get a reasonable result with the very limited equipment planning or post-production, am I right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I plan it all out, but when I first started, I didn't. I just got out there and shot because it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And again, I just use, for 90% of our shots, unless there's something that requires it or there's an idea that we want to try, I'm just using um, one camera body, one lens, and a tripod. And I think that if you have those things... You could you could definitely do this, and then again, if you just wanted to get super down to the basics, just a smartphone, and you'd be surprised. Like a lot of the stuff that we'll shoot, we'll experiment with the phone all the time, just to constantly learn and try new ideas. And it's a great it's a great resource. And I, if there was anything that I would recommend to anybody, it would just be to just shoot with things that we have. And I think that like the limitations of trying to figure out. How to get the most out of your gear, out of the things that you already have, is the best way to push yourself and learn.
1: Well, earlier you mentioned uh, your ebook, the ultimate guide to hyperlapse. Excuse me, the ultimate guide to hyperlapse photography, which is over a hundred pages long, and you you've been kind enough to set up a promo code of 20% off of any of your offerings site-wide and that's just for our listeners Uh, the the promo code you gave us is TTIM and we'll certainly put a link uh, in the show notes and let people know where they can uh, redeem that code but uh, really appreciate that offer and the prices that you have on the site are already discounted this is an additional 20% off of that so, um, we'll make sure people have, have know about that.
2: Okay, thank you. And, you know, we're, we just finished up a video. We're trying to, our goal for the next part is to go ahead and create a video series that's going to make it really easy with a bunch of the things that we've been learning. Um, I didn't have the video skills, but now with all of the work that we've done, we've actually learned how to kind of put it in digestible little video segments. And so we'll be updating uh, the site and the information in months to come with actual video tutorials that'll walk you through how we see things and, and the reason why we do things, which I think is really fun.
0: Should we maybe mention the uh, address of that page where people can get the, the ebook with the, with the discount? I think we have a, a little uh, short URL set up for that.
2: Yeah, we ha- I think you guys have a um, a Bitly link to make it easy, but the site would be hypolapsephotography.com, and then there's a section for tutorials, yep. and that that would yep. be the section
0: where you can see. Yep, I think we have a uh, set up a page at Bitly/ttim-hl for hyperlapse so if people who are listening to this while on the car or running or so on can just memorize this one that's bit.ly slash TTIM HL correct Ralph?
1: That's right that's right so uh, we'll be sure to put it in the show notes but for those of you who are, don't have something to write down that would be the link and again the promo code is TTIM
0: right just uh, one last question for uh, for Scott uh, to to make this really useful for listeners who would like to uh, start doing some time-lapse photography. Uh, Maybe one uh, super quick and uh, informative tip about um, when, when starting up, what's the best tip that you can give and what's the typical mistake to avoid?
2: Okay. So... The best tip is when you're, start off with time lapse. That's the best tip. Just start off with time lapse and kind of learn what goes into just a time lapse first. And remember to drag the shutter um, so that way you don't get flicker. So, and dragging the shutter is to just kind of take a a little bit of a longer exposure Mm -hmm. than your focal, or just kind of take a long exposure. So go out and shoot and just remember to drag the shutter and start with a time lapse, I think would be the best best way to get started.
0: What would be your recommended uh, shutter speed, if there is one?
2: Um, so, yeah, it would change, but if you were going to, like, shoot the clouds, which maybe would be a good thing to start on, maybe, like, uh, half of your interval. Okay. So, or actually, let me just rephrase that. Maybe, like, one... one uh, one fourth of a second would be good.
0: Okay.
1: Well, um, you know, we always like to talk to our guests about a particular destination that they're familiar with and passionate about. And um, I wanted to, you know, earlier you told us that you're in Medida, Mexico, uh, just kind of catching up and planning for the future, but you've also spent quite a bit of time in Seoul, South Korea. How did that come about? And uh, you said that you were there for two and a half years, is that right?
2: Yeah, I was there off and on for two and a half years, and it came about um, from that trip that I, um, I, when I was in when I was the intern at NBCLA, and uh, I just left, saw other people teaching English or traveling, and so I did a six-month trip and just fell in love, and I was like, how can I do this, uh, learn from them, and South Korea just seemed like the best of both worlds. It was really a um, great standard of living. And it was a place where I could save money, which were the two biggest factors for me. And that's that was really the big motivating factor. Um, and I absolutely am head over heels with in love with South Korea. I love Seoul. I think it's one of the funnest cities. I think the people are amazing. And the food. The food. I, I didn't know much. I never really... Was a foodie, um, but I'm slowly becoming more of a foodie with every bite. Uh, and Seoul was kind of what started that kick. Um, the food is just absolutely delicious, and the city is so fun. Um,
0: photographically,
2: uh, photographically, I mean, it was it was where I, it was my it was my school. Uh, I absolutely loved it. There's some amazing photographers in Seoul, and uh, uh, they are really helpful um teaching you different locations stuff like that and what's really nice about living in seoul is they have rooftops and this is kind of like my biggest obsession if there's a roof i would love to try to get on top of it and in seoul it's not so hard to get on many of the rooftops apologies uh in seoul it's not very hard to get on many of the rooftops which is something that i love um Seeing that vantage point, and you know, I'm not a street photographer, but there it's great for street photography, it's great for uh cityscapes, and there's 21 national parks in South Korea, so it's great for landscapes as well. So, I mean, it just basically has something for every type of photographer, in my opinion.
1: Great, <laughs> yeah, it's not a place that I've been to somewhere that I'd like to go, and uh, I, I, it's amazing how the more you travel, the more you become interested in food. Right? The the more you're exposed to all these amazing cuisines around the world, and you're like, wow, this stuff is really out there. And uh, I love to explore the food wherever I go. Yeah, it's it's
2: they got oh, their food is. I'm getting hungry and missing it just thinking about it. <laughs>
1: Well, Scott, thanks so much for being on the show and for talking to us about your travels and hyperlapse photography. Uh, what's next on your upcoming travel schedule? Do you have any events or speaking engagements coming up for the near future?
2: Um, don't have any uh, speaking events right now. We are headed to Finger Lakes um, for a week. Then we go to the West Coast in the U.S. Uh, in California and Seattle for. A couple weeks for a couple little jobs and then we had actually back out to Europe for three months which we're really really excited about um because I just love Europe and I really I'm excited about trying to explore some new destinations um but I just really want to thank you so much for having me as well it was uh, a ton of fun to talk to you guys and I just yeah, thank you very much
0: thanks to you I mean uh... Uh, You made me want to to try my hand at some hyperlapse photography. I actually got a time ago a DJI Osmo, little gimbal camera. And I've got a a car mount. So with suction cups that you can mount it on the hood or the roof of the car. And I actually took some videos when I was traveling with that. But I'm thinking that I could do a little hyperlapse. It's going to be... You can set it on uh, interval shooting and uh, then drive around and do a little hyperlapse, it should be pretty easy, I think.
2: That's pretty cool. And then another fun tip for that is I have the Osmo as well. And I think it's just a crazy awesome tool. Um, What you can do is if you shoot video, there is a Windows makes an application called Hyperlapse. I think it's just called Hyperlapse. And if you shoot video in really smooth footage like that, uh, you can convert it into a Hyperlapse as well. I think it's $40 for the app. So it's an option. But if you sit there and you're like, oh, I have all this footage, it'd be cool to try to see what it looks like with a hyperlapse. That might be a, an easy way
1: to just test it out and see. That's a cool tip as well. Interesting. Uh, so it converts a regular video into a hyperlapse.
2: Yeah, that is cool. It's going to cut out a ton of frames, but it also stabilizes it at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, it's a really cool tool. Well, where can our listeners find out more about you online, Scott? Um, So you can find out more
2: about me uh, and my wife on BoboAndChichi.com. We run a travel blog, and that's like where we update uh, a lot of our stuff. If you're super into just the hyperlapse style of photography, I post all of my work on Vimeo at uh, scott or Vimeo.com forward slash Scott Herder. And we also are on Instagram at BoboAndChichi, which is B O B O
1: a-n-d-c-h-i-c-h-i very cool great we'll put a link to uh, all those uh, places in the show notes Uh, anything else you want to wrap up with scott about there ugo
0: no, I think uh, it was really, really interesting. As I said, I've been motivated maybe to spend some time doing a little bit of time lapse or hyperlapse photography. We'll see what I can come up with. I'm not sure it's going to be great, but uh, we'll see.
2: Oh, well, yeah, as you run into questions or have any questions, just shoot me a message. I'll be more than happy to help you.
1: Great. Yeah, it's funny how uh, I, I've kind of been doing hyper. Lapses inadvertently because I love doing time lapses simply with my iPhone, and then at times I'll just kind of hold the phone in front of me as I walk through a market or someplace interesting, or as I'm driving, I'll put it in the front windshield, and I guess I'm doing a hyperlapse uh, without even knowing yeah.
2: it. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs>
1: There you go. So, well, thanks everyone for listening. And remember that Ugo and I will be presenting at a a special workshop at the Out of Chicago Photography Conference on June 22nd. It's called Storytelling in Travel Photography and will consist of two classes, a photo walk with Ugo and I, plus an assignment with review at the end. This is a full day, goes from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., and there'll be just 15 participants total. Uh, the cost for that is an additional $199, which is a real steal for a full day workshop like that with two professional photographers Uh, you can follow me online at all the social media platforms both at photo enrichment and at ralph Falasco. and be sure to visit our website at photoenrichment.com to see about upcoming tours and other announcements uh ugo where can people find out about you online
0: as always uh, you can find everything about me at ucphoto.me that's my main hub uh everything is linked from there or just uh, google my name and you can find me there that's going to be the first result and as you said all the usual social media platforms uh, uh, instagram facebook mostly and that's for the show. Uh, everything is at TTIM.photo, including this episode and all the past ones. Uh, let me just check. This should be episode 132. So hopefully this will be out at ttim.photo 132. But uh, just type in any number there and you will be able to listen to all the 131 previous episodes that we already published and we hope you will subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or any other platform that you use on your phones. Uh, personally i like using the overcast app on my phone Uh, it's great for keeping track of this podcast and all the others that i that i listen to so just um, go there uh, leave us a review leave us a rating on apple podcast uh, slash itunes or google play or what uh, fits best your uh, your usage your platform Uh, that's it
1: Yep. And if you have a guest you'd like to recommend we have on the show, please be sure to send us an email and let's get active over on the Traveling Image Makers Corner Facebook group. We're always looking for great images for our bi-monthly photo contest. Uh, Remember, if you keep at it, you can't get worse at photography. Now let's get out and shoot. Let's
0: get out and shoot.